And welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. That is great. Running around. Are you tired at the end of your day? Uh, no. I, I've got energy in me. I've got. I've got some energy in me. Oh, well, that wasn't like. It wasn't an admonishment, just (laughs) an acknowledgement of how much you've done today. I realized uh, very late that I um, had promised Cass to grab some things for her, and I had not gotten around to doing so yet, so I had to make a mad dash (laughs) downtown, which was very exciting. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you've had such an exciting day. Uh, Today we're here for another Friends Like That episode where I talk to people about the most, I I guess we're probably going to mostly talk about Utena, but also the the wider Ikuni uh, animatic universe. And uh, here we have Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Hanging in there, you know. I pretend as though we have not been talking for about a half an hour before we started. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion. <laughs> yeah, breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, you are actually, you were one of the first people who responded to my Google form. And I am so glad that we finally got you on here because you're also a supporter of the Patreon. Aww. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. I love this podcast. I'm like, yes, fellow fellow uh, Ikuni nerds. Fellow Ikuni enjoyers. Yes, perhaps that's a nicer way to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell us how you got into Revolutionary Girl Utsuno? What is your history with this series? Let's and see. I guess the the wider Ikuniverse in general, because in your form that you filled out, you said that you would talk about literally any Ikuhara property. Yes, that that is true. <laughs> that's why today we got you on to talk about the Sailor Moon season that he did. All right, <laughs> that's not talked about enough. He was actually showrunner on Sailor Moon for several seasons, so that would right. be a very long conversation. No, uh, he was showrunner for seasons two and three, I believe, and he also did the Sailor Moon R movie, which, right. as far as I'm concerned, is maybe like the cream of the crop in terms of the uh, Sailor Moon anime is the Sailor Moon R movie. It is exquisite. And <laughs> it is also great. extremely Igor. Yes. But how did you <laughs> arrive at Revolutionary Girl Utena? Uh, so I guess it was almost, I don't want to say an accident, but it was kind of just like, whoops, slipped right into that one. Uh, <laughs> I was, I think it was on Tumblr, actually. I, I follow this artist. I hope I say her name right. Amy Zhao or uh, Zoe. I'm not entirely sure how her last name is pronounced. I've never heard it said out loud. But she is like a really amazing artist. And I've been a fan of her for years. And then one day she did like a piece of Utina fan art that was like really striking. And I was like, what is this? Like this is, she marked it as fan art and I had no idea what it was. So I just dipped into like that tag on her blog because I guess she'd done other uh, Utina stuff before. And one of her posts was like a link to 
the trailer for like one of the the DVD collections that came out a couple of years ago. Ooh. And she it she had like a little caption that was just like singing the praises of the show and like a, a little non-spoilery blurb about what it was about. And I was like, well, that sounds very interesting. So I just looked on YouTube since it was all there and started like from episode one, basically knew nothing about it. And I, I like for no easily explained reason, I just like slipped into obsession. And then like by the time I got to the end of, of the show, I didn't understand like a lot of what had happened on that that first viewing. But the finale like really made me cry and i was like why did it why did this evoke this feeling <laughs> like why did i have such an intense reaction when i'm so confused at the same time <laughs> so that was like the the kickoff where i was like i got really like hyper fixated on figuring out like what is this all about what does it all mean who is what who does is it Ikuhara? all mean yeah. <laughs> a question that i still cannot answer when it comes to ikuhara <laughs> Right. He is something of an enigma. He is something. That is for sure. But yeah, it, it kind of like spiraled out from there. Like I uh I found Utna in oh, when might it have been? I guess like twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, somewhere around there. Like mm-hmm. I had just started working in animation at the time, and it was cool to to find Ikuhara then because he has like such interesting and uh really like striking ways of uh filmmaking or like you know composing his shots in animation like mm-hmm. i was i was like there's a lot to learn here i could i could pick up some tricks from this guy that are that are really unusual so there there were multiple reasons why i kind of dove in and then once i had thoroughly like obsessed over utana then I was I started wondering, you know, what else has he done? It, it seems like people talk about this guy in, you know, a very unique way as far as anime creators go. And so I looked into him and it was like at the time there was just Utena, the movie, Penguin Drum and Yurikuma. And like all those were totally out, like in completion. And so I just slowly made my way through them all and was like the same process repeated each time where like saw Penguin Drum, didn't get it, but had a, an emotional like connection with it and then spent tons of time trying to figure out like, what does it all mean? And then, <laughs> yeah, same with same with Yurikuma. And I like all of his shows in different ways a lot of the time, but I I think that each of them are really masterful at at least one thing that they do which i think is pretty cool and then uh when sarah's on my came out i was like ready every uh whatever it was like what whichever day of the week it was that it was airing like every tuesday or wednesday whatever night i was like bowl of popcorn on the couch what's gonna happen next destroy <laughs> me ikuhara <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, such a fun communal experience of everyone just being like, what, what, what did I just, what? (laughs) I mean, he holds nothing back on that show. It's like first episode, just shocking. (laughs) Like, yeah, definitely. I was not ready, but also I was. It was a Kuma shock. (laughs) shock. Kuma shock. (laughs) Exactly. And it was it was really cool to finally get to see one as it was coming out, like to engage with like fan theories and people talking about it every week instead of, you know, the the other three shows where they were long over by the time I found them. 
well Yurikuma wasn't like long over but it was it was all done no one was yeah. theorizing anymore yeah definitely if you, at that point you're mostly just digging through to see what other people were saying at the time right reading reading everybody else's fun and crazy theories rather than like be, being a participant in them yeah definitely out of curiosity we always have people talk about like you know reading or listening to what other people had said about stuff i'm always curious where did you read about other people talking about it like where did you find people talking about say utna but also uh penguin drum and yurikuma i guess it was it was kind of all over the place like utna i guess because it's it, like it's had so much more time to like have people talk about it it seemed like if i went to google and typed in like you know revolutionary girl utana analysis or something there were like a million hits or you know less than that but it, it felt like the information was plentiful whether it was people's like interpretations which uh, there was i forget the the person's name but there was somebody on tumblr who did like a like an episode by episode sort of breakdown of their interpretations of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And that was like a, a helpful starting point when I watched the series for like the second or the third time to be like, okay, am I completely off on some of this stuff? Or am I like kind of in the ballpark of where other people are thinking? And then Penguin Drum and Yurikuma definitely had less. I think it was just random stuff that I would find or I guess with those, it was also less like I wanted less like reading analysis analyses of the of the full show and more just being like, what is this a reference to or mm -hmm. like what's what is what is this scene supposed to be doing? Because it feels like something I, I couldn't understand otherwise. So I guess it was kind of just all over the place. Usually for Utena, like I said, I think a lot of it was probably like Tumblr or maybe twitter at the same time mm -hmm. i i don't quite remember because it's been it's been a hot second <laughs> since i've since i've gone looking yeah i think it it's kind of funny that in making utana it seems like ikuhara was like dead set on people not comparing it to other works or like denying influence <laughs> from other works and yep. then as soon as he made utana that just sort of totally went out the window and he's been wearing his influences on his sleeve ever since <laughs> <laughs> mr i haven't seen rose of versailles yeah i, I bet ever, you haven't i'm Come never on. gonna get over the rose of versailles thing <laughs> like some of those some of them he could get away with like sure. you know I, i'd be willing to believe it because like the guys from Rush had not read Anthem yet. Like they just <laughs> they wrote it into their rock opera, but hadn't read the actual book yet. I'm willing to believe them. There's enough there. Yeah. But Ikahara not having seen Rose of Versailles, I no. One of the most popular close. franchises in like manga and anime. No, sir. Yeah. No. Come on, like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, half of. A bunch of people were cribbing from Rose of Versailles. It was incredibly popular. It's not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I guess I'm glad he stopped doing that. It's way more fun when he's just like, yep, here it is. Here's everything that I enjoy laid out on a platter. Yeah. Uh, who would you say is your favorite character in Revolutionary Girl Utena? Oh, God. 
it's tough because I I really love a lot of them, but in totally different ways. Like mm-hmm. I do think that Nanami is like MVP character. Like she she's so interesting, and she she winds up being so completely divorced from what you expect her to be by the end, especially mm-hmm. considering the way they set her up. And I just I kind of, I just love her. Like she's she's so fascinating. And she's like this mean girl, but at the same time, it's like you totally understand her by the end, and you feel like all this sympathy for her. But I don't. I, I guess as far as favorites, oh, I mean, it's hard not to say Utana, honestly. Right? Just she's so like the the sheer like heroism that she has at the end in that last episode. Like it just wrecks me every single time I watch the finale again. I'm like, God, you're just you're just like a great character you're written so well and like it it really feels like she becomes like such a hero in a way that a lot of main characters don't in like a lot of other shows she's such a good protagonist character yeah Yeah. and she's also got like she's got like early himbo vibes you know like she's just just so sweet, but also so, so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> no brain cells whatsoever. <laughs> One thought, protect Anthe. Yeah, basically. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I have to say, if it really comes down to it, I have to say she's my favorite. Probably closely followed by Anthe and uh, Nanami. Like those, those two are tied for very different reasons. I mean, like, top three best anime characters ever, like, in the history of the medium, probably. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you work in animation and that you felt sort of inspired by watching some of the, like, scene composition and stuff in Utena. How do you feel, like watching Utena has influenced your work in animation i feel like there there's like two facets to it like it has affected my my work work like stuff that i that i actually do at my at my day job in the sense that it did make me a lot more aware of like composition and econ like i don't know exactly how to say it but like the the economy of like shot choices yeah. Like there are so many shots in Utena that are so economical because they had to be, but like they're very clever in how they're economical. And I I couldn't tell you an example like right off the bat. I probably should have thought about that uh beforehand because that is one of my favorite things about the show. I was actually thinking of the um a lot of the reused footage is yeah. the action economy of that footage, if you will, is really, really good. Be- it seems like because yes, you're going to see a lot of this exact animation a bunch of times, but it was made so compellingly that it feels like it, there's enough there for it to have a different context. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Like only in an Ikuhara show could something that you see like every other episode become meaningful in different ways with each repetition because of the episodes surrounding it mm-hmm. yeah that that still sometimes surprises me how not repetitive it can feel despite how much footage is often either reused or like 
the the underdrawings are reused. Like they'll draw mm-hmm. a new duelist like over the last one, but it's still the same stuff. Yeah. It's fascinating uh that he that they that the the B Papa's team was able to like pull that off so incredibly well. So I guess stuff like that is what really influenced my like day-to-day work. Uh but as far as like personal work, it definitely I think Utna as a whole like changed the way that I think about storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, it this is something that doesn't that I don't have like a lot of opportunity to exercise in my day to day work just because like I don't have any writing control over anything. You know, like we're we're supposed to just like stick to the scripts that we're given and then plus the scripts like visually as best as we can. We're not really like incorporating like a lot of new storytelling to it Mm -hmm. or like changing any plot points but like Utena was really fascinating to me because it's so it functions like so well allegorically to the point where like you almost can't ignore the allegory like it the allegory of the story kind of asserts itself slowly to the point where like at the end you're like is this just an allegory now? Is there no literal layer left? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool and something that is not very often seen. But, uh, you know, I'd love to, uh, at some point, like, try to make something that does, like, something like that or something that is uh, uh, unusual in that sort of way. Uh, I guess the the easier way to say it is that it just changed the way that I think about storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, Ujina does such interesting stuff with storytelling in general that, like, it's hard not to see this and just be like, I'm forever changed. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, I never knew. I never knew it could even be this way. (laughs) I remember, like, watching Ujina through the first time and feeling like I had never seen someone in a media in this in a context like an artistic context that was largely of like popular entertainment just fuck with me <laughs> like i'm used to that from like john gardner or something like if fear of las vegas is fear of loathing of las vegas is fucking with me i get it i'm in on the joke by some to some extent because like i expect that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. Uthman is just, just fucking with you sometimes. Like, it's oh, the thing that I love most about Yakuni is that there are parts of sh- his shows that are just, he knows what you're going to think. Like, he puts, there is stuff in there that is put there in the purpose of just, I know that someone is going to read into this, and that's the whole point. God, it's so good. I That is, like, paradigm shifting. It is kind of amazing, the way that he does that. I'm like, why do you know? Why do you know what's in my head? <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite arc in Utena? Ooh, I'm actually, I mean, it, it's hard not to say like the end arc. I, I guess it also depends like if you're breaking it up into the into three or four, because I mm-hmm. guess it can go both ways. If it's four, then I guess probably like the very end, like the apocalypse arc, I think is what it's called. Yes. Just because it's so cool to like, see all those those pieces come together and like all the the revelations that you get in the last chunk of episodes but if you're only breaking it into three then i actually really like the black rose arc it's so interesting yeah alice's favorite (laughs) it's so good 
Yeah, I have some friends that are watching Utena right now, and they've just started the Black Rose arc, and I'm just, like, rubbing my little gay hands together with, with excitement. Yes. <laughs> it's so delightfully messy. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the last two episodes of that arc are so haunting for mm-hmm. reasons I can't even really articulate. Haunting because there's ghosts. So many ghosts. There's so many ghosts. <laughs> they're They're just, like... Yeah, they're they're so creepy and obtuse and like there's those little blinky hands everywhere. You're like, what's going on? Yeah, I use the blinking hand emote on because I have Discord Nitro Classic so I can use emotes from like other servers. And I use the blinking finger emote from the empty movement server like constantly. It conveys such a specific action of pointing <laughs> at a thing. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's the only reason I have Discord Nitro is because <laughs> I, I want to be able to use emotes from other servers. That checks out. Certainly for the blinky hand. Classic is only like $5 a month, so... I, technically i can justify it oh yeah w- worth it for the blinky hands no doubt no doubt but anyway back to non-emote discussion <laughs> sure what what would you say is your favorite part about black rose arc honestly well i i really like its atmosphere just because it it is very like creepy and disturbing but in a compelling way rather than being just like creepy for the sake of being creepy Mm -hmm. but it's also just so interesting to me that they like ikuni and b papas as a collective decided like let's do a whole chunk of episodes that's about the side characters and let's make you care about them all oh i love it i think that it like so many anime have like these huge ensemble casts and then like you basically only ever focus on like three of them and i think that it's just so cool and special that there is an entire chunk of episodes that is just about these side characters that you've kind of become well i guess with the exception of kane be like become familiar well and mr onion prince who i don't like oh yeah but, but become familiar with through other episodes or just being in the background and being like these are actual like fully realized people too yeah and it's such a it's such a cool thing to do after that first arc where you meet them all but you get like the superficial like anime stereotype personalities from them yes and it's like guess what they're real people <laughs> like yes they- have many many different things inside of them turns out jury is cool but she is also very sad so sad (laughs) (laughs) so many sad lesbian showers yes it's my favorite (laughs) recurring thing it's it's like is jury showering man she's so sad she's so sad the shower covers up you can't you can't see the tears if the water is going down her face you'll never know if she's crying or if she's just you know in the shower (laughs) or it's raining in that one episode (laughs) and i guess i i have the same question about the last arc i mean you know you said that you were very emotionally affected by the finale but like what is it about the last arc that really speaks to you I just think it's so it's so fascinating how long the series like 
hides its cards. Like the fact that we don't learn the truth about like uh about Anthe and the prince and about the the real nature of Utena's Utena's promise mm-hmm. until like what like four episodes from the end, four or five episodes yeah. away from the end. And it's such a massive like heel turn. Like it recontextualizes everything in the entire series. And it it just like rocked me <laughs> the first time I saw it. Cause I was like, wait a second. Wait, so that means that means like all this other stuff now means completely different things. Or like all of this stuff that Anthe was doing means something different now because we understand what was really going on. Yeah. Like I guess I've just never been so completely blindsided by by a twist. And it was such a such an unusual twist. Even even in whatever year I saw it, 2015 or 2016, it was like the show was made in 19 was it 19 it was 1997 for Utena, right? Yes, and then the movie was 99. Right. I, I always get it mixed up with Evangelion because they they were like right around that same, like Evangelion was 90, 1995. Mhm. I just for some reason right. I always mix that them up. That is a common thing. What is? Getting those two mixed up? <laughs> but those seem to be they do always seem to be a lot like right next to each other well considering yeah. that kunahiko ikahara is literally in evangelion uh, as <laughs> everybody's favorite e-boy kaoru oh kaoru i you know I, it's a common mistake to make <laughs> <laughs> it still does sort of shock me that the two of them knew each other that ano and uh and ikahara actually knew each other <laughs> like, right when i found that out it was like of course it's like everything makes sense now <laughs> it uh, it was truly like all the puzzle pieces suddenly clicked together and it was like oh it yeah that that checks out so perfectly i also found out recently that apparently ikuhara has like a a, a little tiny background role in ano's shin godzilla what yeah <laughs> like Oh, yeah, because that was a live action movie. So he's just mm-hmm. like in the background at that, some point. Yeah, I, um, I've um i only seen Shin Godzilla once and it would have been before I got really into doing all of this. So mm. I, I didn't like know at the time, but I found out recently someone told me that I, I think he's in like a scene or something. I don't know what the extent of it is. I, like he has a voice line in Sarah Zanmai, but... <laughs> He sure does. <laughs> the idea of him being like captured in in film, terrifying. Slightly terrifying. He's probably just staring straight down the barrel of the camera, right? Just looking right <laughs> at me. Just yep. He's not moving. He's in like a crowd of people, like running and screaming. He's probably he's just the only one not straight. moving. <laughs> he's not moving. He's staring straight down the lens. Like that feels right for him. Yeah, Shin Godzilla was 2016, so it probably would have been like right before i got really into doing this podcast that i would have seen (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've I've never even seen it (laughs) oh it's real good it's real good i'll have to check it out i did hear it was pretty good Mm -hmm. but i was also like (laughs) i i I don't know i was i've never been super like compelled by godzilla sure like it's interesting but uh shin godzilla is the godzilla movie for people who don't actually watch godzilla movies Mm -hmm. See, I like that. I like that as a selling point. <laughs> he kind of go as a side note here, because I actually have a way to kind of get it to link it to um, Utana. The thing that makes Shin Godzilla good, I mean, there are lots of things, but one of them is 
he goes back to the very beginning. The original Godzilla is very much rooted in nuclear trauma, as well as like a very specific time period in, in Japanese history. Hmm. And Shin Godzilla goes back to Godzilla's terrifying. No one knows what it is. There's this vague ra- like radioactivity as a haunting fear again. Because this is in the aftermath of, like, Japan having uh, nuclear plant disasters. Well, and, and like, also, I mean, the atomic bomb. Like, yeah, right? like, it's, it's sort of, like, brought up again. And, like, huh. there's this radi- radioactivity is, again, a, a sort of a night terror may oh, give wow. them shape again. You know, there's the, the threat that if we don't control this, what if the U.S. decides to bomb us again? Uh-huh. It's a plot point. It's like, it's like... It's basically everything you could, if you were going to make a movie for people who don't like Godzilla fans, he puts it in there, which is interesting to me because one of the things I always liked about both of their work is that I would describe them as making X for people who don't like X. (laughs) Mecha for people who don't like Mecha and Shoujo for people who do not like Shoujo. Yeah, I, I would I can, say that. I can see that. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's always what I've, I've really appreciated about both of them. Like, I think about, you know, Ano has been doing robots for people who are not robot nerds since Nausicaa. Yeah. When he made the most, one of the most terrifying robots ever. <laughs> um, that, the Melty Boy, which haunts my dreams. <laughs> and by the way, if listeners, if you did not know... In the Valley of the Wind, remember the melty the melty boy, the big the big lad at the at the end of the movie. Anno is the one who is responsible for that horrible visage that haunts you. Yes, <sighs> he he he's responsible for that. There's a reason why the Evangelians are so terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like I think they're like Ikora stuff, and Utsuna is in some ways extremely conventional with shoujo, but then it's like. The ways that it's not conventional just made me sit back and go, this show is written for people who like Twin Peaks. <laughs> but it's also Rose of Versailles, which is not for people who like Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, not necessarily. They do it, they, for some reason, they do actually overlap more than I more would expect. <laughs> I guess Uchin is proof of that. That's true. That's interesting. I guess I'd never really thought about it that way, but that does make a lot of sense. For for both uh, Ikuhara and Ano. After you finished watching Utena, did you just immediately go like straight to Penguin Drum? Oh no, I I stuck with <laughs> I stuck with Utena for quite a while. <laughs> to... Well, no, I meant like for for your further Ikuni viewing. Like, did you do it in like release order, or did you like hop oh, around? I think I did it in release order. I'm pretty sure I did. It was. It was like tough to find the other two, if I remember right, like at the time, like I had, mm-hmm. I wound up having to just order the the Blu-rays. Like I, I kept trying to find them online or like, is anyone streaming these? And nobody was. Yeah, I, both Penguin Drum and Yuri Kuma are streaming on Funimation currently, but like that definitely right. wasn't the case several years ago. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it felt like, do people not want to see these shows? Because I can't <laughs> find them anywhere. Uh, like Penguin Drum was especially hard to find. I think Yurikuma was a little easier because it was newer. Like it was, yeah, it was a more sense. recent release. But I'm pretty sure I went in order, if I remember right, because Utena and Penguin Drum were both like such, <laughs> such like wild mysteries and like webs to unravel as I watched them. And then Yurikuma was like 
you know, very, it still has like its Ikuni complications to it, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit more straightforward since it's like a little more concise. It, it's a little more just exactly what it is as opposed to trying to like, you, you got to weave through a bunch of uh, episodes of Uchna and Penguin Drum to kind of figure out what's going on, get to the meat right. of it. Yeah. Yurikuma is is lovely in its simplicity like i i do love that it knows what it's about and it does not it does not waver from that for all 12 episodes yeah as much as i wish that yuri kuma may have had like another couple of episodes i also appreciate that it doesn't really waste any time yeah which i guess like i don't think utina does either oh no but i mean i I do feel like they're I remember the specifically, it's actually the, one of the Mickey related episodes, kind of the Mickey arc, Mickey and his sister arc, if you will. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it was half an episode too long, as if the wealth of time that they had compared to, to later stuff, they had used all of it. They just filled it with stuff and just kind of thinking at the end of it, I'm pretty exhausted. <laughs> Which, sometimes you want to feel exhausted, to be fair. Like, sometimes that's a good thing. Even though you're exhausted, is that a bad thing? Is I that maybe know. not what uh, was intended by the experience? That would be a reasonable argument. <laughs> I'm not really sold that either way, 100%. Sure. Because there are a couple moments in Utsuna where I do kind of feel that way. Like, maybe this was about 10 minutes too much content. And then I stop and go... But what if that's the point? Because that actually would fit here. So I don't know. I could be convinced either way. If anyone has a compelling argument in, among our listeners, you would like to shoot that Let to us me know. on Twitter, I will. I would love to talk to you. I love to talk to people. I'll put this opinion in my pocket and wait until we finish all of Ikuni's existing media. And then we just do Imagine Me and Utena 2. Tutena. <laughs> where we where we just watch Utena again <laughs> and see if your opinion changes upon another viewing. All right. I hope you're really gonna call it that. I mean <laughs> I'm not not gonna call it that. <laughs> it's definitely gonna be Imagine Me and Utena too if we just do Utena again, because that's the best possible thing that I could think of to call it. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> back to the future back to the dang it, i can't think of a way to make Uthan into the future uh, back future to back to otori back at it again at the dueling arena that's us walking up the stairs i'd listen <laughs> i mean okay names aside us going back through Uthana will be a delight and it will probably be one of the best things we ever do Probably, yes. For one thing, I know how to audio edit now. Yes. (laughs) And we both know how to actually fill space productively now. (laughs) But also, there's so much. You were talking earlier, Andy, about how, like, you know, you watch it the first time, you don't get it, and you kind of come back and each of these, sort of this process of Mm reevaluation. I have not really gotten to do that with Utena as much as I would like to. So I would love another Yeah, You've seen Yuri Kuma more than you've seen Utena. I've seen Irikuma way more than I've seen Uthana. There are some episodes of Uthana I've only watched once. Well, there are 40 of them. Yeah. I thought there were 39. Okay, well, I was rounding up. <laughs> I always just say 40. 39 sounds so strange. 
it's slightly more mouth syllables to say 39 than it is to say 40. <laughs> so you do like the Black Rose arc. Oh, yeah. I, whenever, whenever I meet a fellow Black art, Rose art appreciator, I always want to know, do you have a favorite either duel or an element of the arc in general that just, like, really makes the happy, fuzzy thing in the back of your brain happen? Like, is there something like that for you? Because there's always, there's a bunch of stuff that's just like, this is very my shit. Yeah, I think, I think it happens multiple times for me in the Black Rose arc, but the, the, the big one is Wakaba. The, I the knew Wakaba it. Duel. I don't know how, but I knew <laughs> yeah. deep in my soul that you were about to say Wakaba's duel. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's kind of unparalleled as far as like any duel in the series goes. Like, it's really so... Enjoyed cool and so like tragic i i'll never get over it and the uh what do you call it like the line reads that the mm -hmm. the japanese voice actress gives it's like oh my god like give her a raise that was right? wild <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it's it's so good like the the whole two episodes that focus on wakaba even in spite of what's his name the the onion prince tatsumaki uh, i just remembered that's I think I, I've never once remembered his name. That might also just be the name of the bot in the empty movement forum. I don't remember if that's also <laughs> his name and I'm not going to look it up because he doesn't deserve it. He's unimportant. He's the onion prince. That's, that's all we need to know. Exactly. But even with him involved, like those two episodes are so fascinating to me. I just, Wakaba is, is such a, a cool addition to the cast as like, this side character who is extremely complicated and has a lot of like really relatable depth as you know the the non-special person who realizes that she that she's like not one of i forget how they they phrase it in the series but like not one of the special people like it's it's very uh very interesting that they even thought to like address that sort of thing in the show yeah, like, I feel like Wakaba is one of the best deconstructions of the, like, magical girl normie best friend, like, Naru in Sailor Moon or Tomoyo in Cardcaptor Sakura, like, mm -hmm. of having to deal with, I mean, like, in Sailor Moon, like, Naru is usagi's like childhood best friend is the the impression that we get and then like as soon as she meets the other sailor senshi it's like naru doesn't even exist anymore and that's kind of what utsuna does with wakabo when it comes to like getting involved in the duels and stuff and you know she's not like neglecting wakabo on purpose it's just she she gets so involved and wakaba kind of falls by the wayside even though she's yeah. always been like one of the strongest supporters of utina personally and yeah. i just think that's so interesting that that's like a topic that they decided to tackle in this show is like the fallout of like what happens when your best friend is the chosen one right yeah it's it's a very cool thing that they decided to include like a just a, another like thing with the black rose arc is that it is kind of all the for lack of a better term like the non-specials the people with like the normal colored hair being mm -hmm. like well why am i not special enough and i'm i just feel like that's so like oddly human 
for like a magical anime to even mm-hmm. think about. So I think that's also just part of why I like the arc in general is that it it's sort of <laughs> in spite of how crazy that arc is, it's very grounded in some ways in that it kind of brings like these these very normal characters to the forefront and is like, but what do they feel about all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, uh, just something something that I always think about is like, are are either of you watchers or fans of Broad City? Yes, I am. Yeah. The- nope, not sure. Whenever I see uh, Wakaba in the series, like later on, like past the first few episodes, I just always think of that line that Alana has in one of the early seasons where she's like, I thought we agreed that if you were ever going to do same sex experimentation, it was going to be with me. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that's literally Wakaba's entire character. It really feels wow. that way. <laughs> wow. I love it. It's so good. I was watching that for the first time, like at around the same time I was watching Utna and I was like, there's a similar vibe here. I don't quite know why, but it's there. <laughs> Utena is in all things, and all things are Utena. Truly. I mean, it has certainly permeated most aspects of my life. Yeah, it's hard not to just, like, look at everything and be like, oh, nice Utena reference. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see a rose, I'm like, wow, really subtle Utena reference in your garden. Good work. <laughs> Ikuni really knows how to get his hooks in. <laughs> like that, he really does. <laughs> uh, I I have one more question, and I don't sure. know if you I don't know if you remember this that you put at the bottom of your form that you sent in for the Google form. But oh, you no. <laughs> you said I have a section at the bottom that's tell me a fun fact because I don't know how to like end these things. So I figure you know like if somebody feels up to it they can they can fill out that box and yours was i have subjected most of my exes to viewings of the utina movie which may be why they're exes now why do you think that uh the revolutionary girl utina movie has ruined your relationships (laughs) oh my god i knew what you were gonna say as soon as you said that brought up the form it's truly (laughs) inspiring well i guess to be completely honest that was probably not what really ruined those relationships but it was certainly a way to get all my cards on the table right off the bat it's like you want to see me really like unleash my crazy you want to like let's watch this show together and see how attractive i remain (laughs) in your eyes Because it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I have to admit, as far as like barometers for relationship sustainability, uh, exposing someone to Utana is a good way to find out how they feel about uh, healthy communication and boundaries. You know, that's that's also a good point. I thought you were just going to say, like, you know, if they get through the whole thing watching it with an Utena fan then like they're a keeper but that is also, also a very true. very good point <laughs> like if they vibe with Utena like they're probably a decent enough person <laughs> like that or they least... just didn't watch it very closely 
Th- that is also possible. That's also possible. There are plenty of people with uh, some some weird opinions about this show. That always surprises me. Like every <laughs> every now and then, I'll catch like a really curveball opinion about Utana, and I'm like, "What? Like, are are we sure we watched the same show? Because that that doesn't sound like we did." Just that GIF of Drew Scanlon blinking. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess it could go a number of directions, but uh, <laughs> m- most of the people that I've shown it to have at least like enjoyed the ride. But I think like nine, <laughs> nine out of 10, not that I've shown it to 10 people, but just like a majority of the time they look at me at the end and they're like, thank God you walked me through some of that stuff because I would have had no idea what was happening. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to have to ask you to watch it three times to understand. There's only so much you can ask someone to watch of a single anime, unfortunately. It's true. It's true. And I I can't like, I can't force the same level of like, obsessive conviction that I had Mm -hmm. the first time that I watched it to to actually have like discussions because I always want to be like, okay, so what did you think? Like, what what were your opinions on this and this thing? And they're like, you know, if, if I'm not, like, helping explain a little context that first time through, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, it, I don't know if this is true, but I, I think I remember, like, reading at some point that the, the, like, English dub cast or, like, the English dub directors didn't realize that Jury was gay in, like, that first episode. Like, I think that I've also heard that, but I would probably need to see if I could find do some digging to find uh, like a citation on that. Right, that sounds it, sounds right. <laughs> it, it sounds right, but I also am like I don't want to just assume the worst. <laughs> like I don't want to just assume that you didn't pick up on that <laughs> on that context. But stuff like that, like you know the the show is good about kind of ducking around certain issues for whatever reasons, and sometimes it can be a little a little fuzzy <laughs> that first time it, through it's very normal to just uh keep a photo of your bestie in a locket that you so wear normal. constantly yeah and that you hide under your shirt and look at when you're feeling sad that always got me it's like Gal pals. i mean <laughs> i have i was already a veteran of like all the ways that yuri manga like tries to try in the past tried to jump around the issue and i was expecting something like that was not subtle but you know trying and then just like oh yeah i've got our picture to lock it up just it blew me away i'm like wow we really have it like we really have co a long way haven't we (laughs) (laughs) yeah it can horror living in the future where where anime characters are allowed to have gay feelings with lockets and everything they don't even have to like euphemize it like obsessively it could just be lockets <laughs> yeah it's just right there and i feel like he's always a little it, like i think you guys might have talked about this in some recent episode i don't quite remember time doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> like right? i don't remember what day it is but uh you said something i think about ikuhara like he tends to push things like little by little in each of his shows like how sarazanmai is like pretty upfront about its about its gayness <laughs> like mm-hmm. it doesn't really mince words but also how like oh what's the main the main kid's name 
Kazuki. Uh, Kazuki. Yeah. Like how he has like the cross dressing thing and you kind of wonder like, is this going to go somewhere? But then like it kind of doesn't, even though it's never like outright abandoned, mm-hmm. but it's like maybe whatever he does next will sort of dip more into that territory. And that's yeah, kind of I, interesting. I think that Yasha brought that up in like one of our last episodes about the Yuri Kuma anime. And that's probably I, I do have to wonder if like some of his next work may be a little more overtly either like trans or like gender queer or like even just involving like a character that cross dresses, you know? Yeah. We'll I mean, I'd, I'd be very curious. I'd also be a little scared. I'm like, tread, tread <laughs> yeah. carefully, Cooney. <laughs> like, tread yeah, very mean- carefully. <laughs> anime in general does not have the best track record with these sorts of things but no. um yeah, the, the things are getting incrementally better it's true and I, i'd at least be curious to see like absolutely what, what he might bring to the table on, on those sorts of things when it happens <laughs> yeah yeah very fair <laughs> i i was nervous with even just sarah's on my when i found out it was going to be like a gay like themed anime I was like, okay, this could go one of two. This could actually go one of many directions. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a few ways it could go very bad. But I think it overall went pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Like, I've seen at least one episode of... I was a little less concerned about Sarah's Online, but that's because I was like, I've seen at least a single episode of Banana Fish. This will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> he can do this. He can do this. There's enough people to tell him how to do this, <laughs> which in hindsight was probably a little naive, but I wasn't entirely wrong. So yeah, I'm glad about it. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. It's like we've, we've, we've all seen free. There's someone there to tell him how to do this. <laughs> we've all seen free. Like, you mean... know, he's not completely out of the dark. Like, <laughs> uh I, I like to think maybe he's Ikuhara is like checking off each LGBTQ box like one at a time. He's like, we did lesbians, we did gays. Now we're gonna we're gonna keep upping the ante. Yeah, you yeah. know, every time the like a, a headline or something will refer to a single person as being LGBTQ. That's actually <laughs> that's Ikuhara's ufra of work is. <laughs> That's what he's going for. He's he's crossed off the L and the B, and he now with uh, Sarah Zamai, he's gone for the G, and mm-hmm. you know now we just have to live in fear of what comes next. <laughs> One fear. <laughs> One, One fear. fear. His, his name is Kanahiko Ikahara. <laughs> I he is my sleep paralysis demon. In fairness, right. <laughs> <laughs> him him in that that like leather spiky get up <laughs> there's that like one picture of him in yes <laughs> at one of my jobs uh we had like personalized birthday cards that like people on the crew would make uh and then everybody would sign for for each person's birthday and the one of the ones that was made for me was it was a photoshopped image of all of the sailor scouts like lined up in like an action pose and then in the middle was that ikuhara body with with the leather and the spikes and then my head like put on the body (laughs) i was like like, this feels like a reed but in the best way (laughs) that is extremely good (laughs) 
That's how you know you have a good co-worker. <laughs> it's true. It, 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 it is both that and the fact that like probably everyone on that crew knew exactly what I was obsessed with because I never shut up about it. <laughs> it was like they, they probably thought for about a whole half a second before they decided what to make the card. <laughs> Yeah, they probably just Googled Ikuhara's name, and that was one of the first photos that came up. Yep, because I think that is <laughs> straight up one of the first photos of him I think uh, so, yeah. on Google, which is maybe another one of my favorite things about him. I'm just Extremely like, on brand. Wild man. That and the, the Sailor Mars cosplay. I'm just of like, what an, what an icon. What a what I a thought guy. people were joking about that until oh, like, no. I did too. <laughs> for a while. Oh no. I never expected and I never expected it to be like such a really like legit cosplay. Like it's when a I good looking cosplay. Yeah, like I, I saw like I saw it like written oh like there are pictures of him cross-dressing in Sailor Mars and I was like not sure exactly what to expect. And then it's like, oh no, he went like the whole nine yards. Like it's like a really solid look he put on those heels he did he really did did. he really really did got like a solid wig too like that that didn't look Mm -hmm. like a super cheap wig yeah you you normally expect when like when like men who are in entertainment media do like cosplays a lot of time they they kind of half-ass it but no not this man Ikuhara has never half-assed anything in his whole life. He goes whole ass. <laughs> it's whole ass all the time. That's how we ended up with Sarah Zamai. Oh my god. <laughs> it's the the truth finally comes out. Maybe one day Ikuhara will come out. I mean, at this point, does like I, I don't know if there's even a way for him to come out anymore. He's just like, I just am what I am. The the work speaks for itself. It does. It, it, he's he's like, whatever you think I am, that's probably what I am. Death of the author. I always knew that Ikuhara was the last Sailor Scout. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was probably what he wanted to end the series on, and they were like, you have to leave. I'm so sorry, but you have to get No, out. you don't understand. I've been working up to this. Everything <laughs> will make more sense when finally I emerge from the screen. <laughs> the pieces will come together at last. Oh my god, that and killing tuxedo mask. Yeah, <laughs> I think about that a lot. That may be my favorite thing ever. It is the only time that I've ever actually been annoyed with him. Because he wanted to kill tuxedo mask? I understand, but also, but tuxedo mask is kind of endearing. I like manga yeah. tuxedo mask. I'm, I, I have my... That's the real reason. Because like manga, I, I remember hearing that I was horrified because I was like, I had because at that point I had read some of the manga, and I was like, "But he's a nice, but he ends up being a nice guy, and like they have a wonderful like they have like I was just like losing my mind about it, <laughs> horrified." And then I went back, I I did go back and watch it. It's like, oh, I understand now. Yeah, <laughs> in the show, I mean, he's he ends up being fine in the show, but like he's definitely not the best in the yeah. show. You kind of a jerk, especially in the first season. Yeah, definitely early on, for sure. I guess I could see where the impulse probably came from for Ikuhara. Like that—that that feels on brand for him to be like, "Nah, kill him." Plus, he likes to do stuff that he thinks will probably like make people upset. 
like when he said <laughs> that Evangelion should end with Ray getting pregnant and having a child. Oh my god, I only found out about that recently, I think through <laughs> Empty Movement, and I, I thought I was dying. Was like so I good. saw that and I was like, I think I'm having a stroke because I can't have just read those words. It's like, I don't want Evangelion to have ended that way, but also like, God, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> Can you even imagine? I can't. My brain shorts out when I try to. Yep. Uh, footage not found, but in my own brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> that may be one of the more cursed things I've ever heard of him saying. <laughs> like, as if Evangelion wasn't already, like, wild enough by the end. And that's only because we don't have a, a translation of Shell Bullet. <laughs> oh, I always forget about Shell Bullet. <laughs> Because it's a lot. <laughs> we know not the horrors it contains. I, <laughs> a part of me is like, maybe I'm better off never knowing. Like, maybe maybe the day that that translation comes shouldn't ever come. Yeah, I don't think humanity could handle it. <laughs> it's, it's simply we, too we much. We can leave that to people who speak Japanese. They can keep these, <laughs> you can, they can keep these secrets for themselves. <laughs> He he made that like during that that huge gap between mm -hmm. Utena and Penguin Drum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Hmm? What is this? Um, I will I will send you the Wikipedia article for Shell Bullet and you can uh I I don't think we have quite enough time to get into <laughs> it. But I you can uh we, we can it, it was a uh, two volume novel done by Ikuhara with some artwork from Mamoru Nagano and there was also a, an a associated concept album and the descriptions of its synopsis I guess technically it does have a lot to do with gender so I suppose that uh, he's already hit all of the letters in the in the quilt bag Oh my gosh, that's true. Maybe maybe it's already done. Maybe he'll never make anything new again. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's he's only doing more uh of the of things he's already done. Yeah, he's like I got to I got to drum up penguin drum a little bit. Got to spruce it up for modern day and then that'll be it. <laughs> then I announce retirement. <laughs> like Oh, that would that sure would be something, huh? <laughs> that would be something, although I'd be a little sad that we wouldn't get oh, more yeah. like soft ikuhara because i feel like uh sarazanmai is like so much softer in so many oh, ways yes. than like his other shows and i'm like more of this more like soft old man ikuhara like i love his sensibilities with a little bit more positivity <laughs> yes yes absolutely <laughs> for the listeners the message that I, I was about to send you the wikipedia page alice oh but I my didn't, god uh, <laughs> you on ABO sci-fi no one's gonna tell me i didn't want to distract you uh since we're about to end the podcast i can feel my my mind splitting in half in sheer joy <laughs> The message that Alice sent to the Zencaster chat was, oh my god, Ikuhara wrote ABO sci-fi. How did you keep this from me? And in all fairness, I didn't. I definitely tweeted about Shell Bullet before. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, I had no idea! It's a lot. <laughs> maybe one day we'll do an episode about Shell Bullet and I, I don't, maybe... I, I feel like it would 
it would probably be difficult to find someone who has read it. But listeners, if you have read Shell Bullet or you know someone who has read Shell Bullet or would be willing to talk about Shell Bullet, that would be a buck wild episode, I'm sure. <laughs> but I believe that th- this all brings us to th- to the end of the, p- the episode. And do we have any do we have any final thoughts? Hmm. Final it's okay thoughts. if the answer is no. <laughs> Fi- uh, final thoughts like about Ikuni? Or... Yeah, about Ikuni, about Utena. Oh, I mean, I guess probably not more than has already been said. I both love and fear Ikuhara with a with a passion. Mm-hmm. He, he has shaped me, but I also am just, I live in fear. I live in fear of the guy, but in like a fun way. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's that uh, clip from Parks and Rec where they're like, someone will die of fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> That's me every time I start a new Ikuhara joint. Oh, yeah. That's also a safe bet. Like, that is not just a mindset to go in with. That is a safe bet for the story. <laughs> <laughs> someone will die, but in like a oh, fun way. Yes. <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenacast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F. And they can also find your podcast that you do with your lovely wife, Cass, at SteppyCast. Yeah, we have a podcast that is about mecha in general um, with a focus on Gundam. And we are moving out of Gundam Wing into talking about new stuff. And you can come with us pretty soon here. That is a Steppy cast, S-T-E-P-P-Y cast, and we would love to have you. And uh, Andy, where can people find you online should you wish to be found? Uh, people can find me, I think, basically across all social media at Kazarts, C-A-Z-A-R-T-S. I don't post super frequently, but occasionally I'll post like a fun little drawing of something, maybe an Utana or something Ikuhara related, because that's all I ever think about. but uh yeah that's that's me (laughs) and uh you are also a supporter of our patreon and listeners if you would like to join andy in doing so you can find us at utnacast.com uh soon we will be watching wolf's reign with the uh the, the help of our patrons uh it got us to the goal to watch wolf's reign and I'm very excited about that. That'll probably be after the Yurikuma manga. And uh, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can do that at our email address at imagineandutana at gmail.com. Or you can hit up the Google form in our pinned tweet and let me know that you would like to come on this podcast and be in an episode just like the one that you've just listened to. So uh, I think that that brings us to the end of the show. Which means it's time to revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye.